Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Fiala Johansson scores! Kaprizov around. Krugi scores! Ross Tarasenko. Glove saved by Talbot. Center to Piranha. What a save by Talbot. And Minnesota, on a night they get only 11 shots on goal, they make it 11 in a row here in St. Paul. Cam Talbot with a 37-save shutout. Welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and Declan Goff, as always, in the wild now on a three-game winning streak, rebounding nicely after being swept by the Avs last weekend in Colorado and being outscored 11-1. to Dex, they come back and beat uh, the woeful Ducks in back-to-back games. <laughs> and then at a game that we both attended on Thursday night, they beat the Blues 2 to nothing. And as you heard uh, LaPanta mention there, 11 shots on goal for the winning team in that game. And thanks to Cam Talbot and goal, who was fantastic, he made uh, 37 uh, saves. So the shots were 37-11, to 11 and the Wild won. They have now won 11 consecutive at home. They are uh, two points out of first place, and there is a tie, actually, in the West Division for first place after the Avalanche destroyed, and this is how good they are, the Golden Knights last night. So I believe they're both at 45 points, and the Wild is at 43 points, and uh, certainly in a prime playoff position. I want to start with what we saw last night and the difference. If you're looking for the significant difference to me from the Wild of like the last two or three years and this team, this is it, okay? Because last night to me is a microcosm of the explanation. It's twofold. One is it's amazing what star players, which the Wild did not have. I want to be very clear previously. It's amazing what star players do because Kaprizov and Fiala were, well, in Fiala's case, outstanding all game long. In Kaprizov's case, he scored another off-the-charts goal. And the other thing, and this is something that you uh, prepared us for uh, during the course of last season, the debacle, and then coming into this season as well. The other thing is goaltending. Mm-hmm. And Cam Talbot, last night, third consecutive start. Uh, but Kapo Kakinen deserves credit, too. The Wild is now getting really solid, non-flashy, but really good goaltending. And the fluky goals and the bad goals of yesteryear are gone. And so this is how you can afford to be outshot by a pretty good hockey team in St. Louis yeah, by, by 26 and still win if you have the formula. I'm not saying it's going to work on a nightly basis, but last night is a game that the 2019-20 Wild lose 9 out of 10 times. Yep, uh, You could feel the difference. 
superstars, and goaltending. Those are the two things that can get you by in the NHL. And the Wild for years have prided themselves on their depth. Hey, look, we got four lines they can roll. Are they all? Is one of them a stellar superstar line? No, but we have four lines that can compete with any other team's four lines in terms of depth. And now the Wild are, are yes, they, they still have decent depth, but this is where superstars and goaltending in this sport can carry you, absolutely carry you. Um, Cam Talbot, yeah, against uh, getting a start on, on back-to-back starts, we thought, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, you don't you don't really even see that in, in any team. Most teams never put their goalie on back-to-back traditional starts like that. Well, he was damn good, and, and also he's been really good on home ice too, so I could see some of the logic there from Dino wanting, wanting to go with Cam Talbot. But Fiala and Kaprizov literally carried you to relevance um, in that game. And you saw Fiala again playing angry. I said to you at the beginning of the game, I said, what the hell are they doing? And then Johansson again, you know, what, 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 what's the plan here? You're again burying your, your, your next biggest superstar. This isn't going to work. Well, Fiala said, screw it. I'll take things over. Fiala basically said, I'm going to pull a Kirill Kaprizov. I'll be the center. I'll be the playmaker. He was dropping passes. He was creating situations. There was even a couple times, a couple times where I, I would wish Kevin Fiala would have been more aggressive and would have taken a shot instead of doing for a drop pass. That being said, he was drawing attention and he was creating opportunities for his teammates. And Fiala and Kaprizov, this is where, again, the Batman and Robin situation. It, both of these guys, Fiala, you know, Fiala's right up there with Granlin and other guys in terms of, of pure skills. You know, he, he's, he's not a game-changing player, but he's certainly a nice piece to have on any team. Kirill Kaprizov is your game-changing player, and you saw that when he scored his highlight reel goal again last night, which was just, I mean, it knocks you off your feet um, watching him play in person. And this is what it does. If you have superstars and even above-average, not not you know not Veselevsky, but even just above-average goaltending, you can go far in this sport. And that's why the Wild are basically 12, 15 games or so over 500. And Fiala last night, I think, played his most complete game of the season. It was... He basically so so Wednesday against the Ducks. He came back and played a pretty good game, pretty solid game. Last night I thought was as complete as he can possibly play. And the amazing stat is zero shots on goal. He did not have a shot on goal. And, and the Johansson uh, first goal of the game that he set up was a pass where there is no question that Bennington expected Fiala to shoot. Yep. And came over to Kevin's side and was taking away that shot. And Fiala had the presence of mind and the skill to make a great pass. And Johansson would have had to work hard to miss that net. Uh, But I really thought that Kevin played great. And this is what you want from him. This is who he can be. This is who he can be. And I'm not not in the camp that questions his year. Because I think he's had a nice year. I think he works really hard. The fact that he doesn't have more... Um, uh, guys that can make plays alongside him and a center, and we've talked about this before, definitely hurts him. But the game that he played last night, and I'm with you, I'd like to see a shot or two for sure. But that is, when he applies himself, that is who he can be. Yeah, let's talk about the Kaprizov goal, though. Because the Kaprizov goal, to me, was absolutely incredible. It starts in the neutral zone, okay? Mm -hmm. And by the way, so the Blues actually... I think they were going for a change. And when they dumped the puck in, instead of instead of getting it to the corner in the wild zone, they basically dumped it to the sideboards, which right away was a mistake, especially when a guy as skilled and fast as Kaprizov is on the ice. Certainly. Kaprizov gets the pass in neutral, and the play starts there. And if you go back and watch this play, 
watch how, and he, he's going against uh, a guy by the name of defenseman on the Blues of Tory Krug, who signed a multi-year millions of deal, uh, dollar contract with the Blues to leave Boston. Tory Krug is a top defenseman. Yeah, very good player. Like, this guy is a legit defenseman. Absolutely. Watch how Kaprizov, without any, like, effort that you can see, starts to set him, him up by using his edges and by changing the positioning of Krug himself, which confuses B- Binnington. But don't watch the puck. Watch Kaprizov's skates because he changes the angle continually, and that's why Bennington lost the post there, and it's just that small area. But Bennington lost the post because Kaprizov did such a great job of working Krug and then taking a shot where I think Bennington was convinced, and most guys would, that Kaprizov was going to duck behind the net and come out. Yeah. It is like that goal is beautiful, but if you watch the entirety of that goal and the amount of work Kaprizov does to set up that goal and that shot, I mean, we are talking about an off the charts, absolutely. And I, I wonder if in in Kirill's mind he thought to himself, "All right, Tarasenko's good, fellow Russian, very skilled." Now, I think Tarasenko takes long chunks of games off, but when he wants to be good, he he can be great. Yep, I agree with you on that. I wonder if he said to himself, "Okay, I'll I'll show Tarasenko," because everything about that goal, the more I. It, it's incredible. The more you go back and watch that goal, the more impressive that goal becomes by Kaprizov. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and we're, we're starting to get some fans in there. You know, they're, they're allowing 300 in, and I believe, you know, here in a, a week or two, they're finally going to have about 3,000 come in, and you, you start to hear the fans a little bit, a little bit more, even those 300 fans, and, and that's why it's it's so much fun to watch, and anyone that's going to be able to go to the XL Injury Center and see them in person, it's, it's I'm telling you, it's, it's so worth it. Um, but his skill... And watching him, in, and it's going to be a broken record. We'll be saying this maybe for the next seven, eight years. And I'm curious to see what that contract, we can get into that here in a little bit too, because his agent has been talking with Bill Guerin. When you watch him, you just know he's special, and it proves the point that this team has lacked that player for his entire franchise. I mean, Gabby was great. I loved Marion Gabrick, man. Marion Gabrick, I, I, keep in mind, I, I was... Four months old when the North Stars left. I have no memory of the North Stars. My dad loved the North Stars. So when hockey came, I was about eight, seven, eight years old at that point in 2000. And naturally, I gravitated towards Gabrick and the West Walls of the world. And Gabby was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong, but he was hurt. And he, he reminds me more of he's a more talented player than Fiala, but their ceilings are similar. You know, like 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 Gabrick, yes, a, a step ahead of Fiala in terms of his career ceiling. If if Kevin Fiala becomes Marion Gabrick, I mean, that's that's terrific. But both of those players are more good to complementary pieces than they are game changing pieces on a franchise. Mm-hmm. And watching Kirill Kaprizov do what he did to Jordan Binnington, who by the way is a mess, and I don't know, and I I know I know why you tried to sign him, but man, awkward time to sign a contract when with how poorly. Bennington has played, and, and hey, St. Louis got their cup two years ago, and I'm sure most St. Louis players will still say, hey, it's worth it to sign him because it was worth that Stanley Cup run. But you took advantage of him, and it was kind of eerily similar of the Blues, excuse me, Jake Allen series from two or three years ago where the, the Blues outpossessed and outchanced the Wild all game long, but the Wild were opportunistic. They score on 11 shots, and when you have someone like Kirill Kaprizov creating those opportunities and Kevin Fiala also literally lifting the team up, that's why the banner says it right there. Kaprizov and Fiala carrying the team. And I told you that at the beginning of the season. I said, if this team's going to go anywhere, those two are literally going to be dragging them into relevancy. 
Now, I did not envision the goaltending being this good. I knew it'd be better. Did not envision it being this damn good through the first 30 games of the season. But those two are going to be dragging them. And now you're starting to see national commentators and people talking about, man, I mean, we thought the Minnesota Wild probably sneak into that fourth spot. We certainly didn't think they'd be third in the West and flirting with maybe even winning the division. So that's what those two players can do for you. It changes your dynamic. It changes the national perception. It's been phenomenal to see. It has, and and I believe Kaprizov had gone, so in the past six games going into last night's game, he, I believe he had, I've got it right here, he had no goals, three assists, a minus three, so three points in six games. And yet the Wild, during that time, they got blown out by Colorado in the two games, uh, but they beat the Coyotes at home twice and then sandwiched around that, beat the Ducks twice and the Blues. And here's where I will give credit, and here is another reason in that span of games how different this team is. And by the way, I think the old school Wild on this last three-game homestand probably win one, maybe two. They do not win all three. They don't win last night for sure. And I could easily have seen them blowing one of those two games to the Ducks because they did not play that well in those two games. And the Ducks are terrible. Um, and I was a little bit surprised because the Wild was coming back off that ter- those terrible two games um, at Colorado. I thought that they would smoke the Ducks at least once. They did not. Now, that being said, they did last night complete a span of uh, 10 games in 18 days. They have the next three days off before they start a four-game road trip. They're going to play in San Jose, I believe, on Monday night. So they're off uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I don't think they're going to return to practice. I think they're going to practice at the X on Sunday before they leave to play the Sharks. All of that being said, I get the whole tired thing, but you know what? Every team in the league has this. Like, yeah. like nobody has an easy Ugh, sch- schedule. The Wild's not being screwed here. So they look tired. They were tired, but they still won games. And that's where I want to go to another way that this team is different, and, and this goes back to the two Ducks games, Dax. You know, one of their key lines in those two games, without a question, was the fourth line. And in fact, the fourth line in the first game against the Ducks started every period. And we talked about this on the previous podcast, but that was Benino, Bukestad, and Sturm. And Sturm, who I really like, and, and jumped in and fought a guy uh, on the Ducks last night who threw a questionable shot along the boards on Bukestad. Bukestad as a fourth line wing, I really like. When Nick Bukestad applies himself, like he has True. to work. He can be an effective player. I'm not saying he's a star because he's not. Yeah. But when he has it in his mind, I'm a fourth-line player, I need to prove something, and he brings an effort to it, he's good. But Eno consistently does. He's not a great player, but he consistently competes. And Sturm cares a lot. And Sturm has speed. And Sturm clearly knows that he's just starting in this league and he can prove himself. That fourth-line Dex, think about the difference in, for instance, that line and what that line meant in the two Ducks games compared to the fourth lines that have been trotted out by this team in the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. Like just the difference in in the competitive level, the difference in attitude. Here's, in fact, Benino got a penalty, but I'm going to give you a play at the end of the second Ducks game, which was the Wednesday afternoon game, that I absolutely loved. Um, Benino goes in for a face-off was there two point something seconds left or three left in the in the game? And the Wilds up by a goal. And he doesn't win the faceoff. He falls on the puck. And guys are jabbing at it, oh. and they're poking him. And he gets a delay of game. But you know what? They don't put time back on the clock for that. So now there's like one second left. Mm-hmm. The point being is this team for a long time did not have guys who would 
who would resort to basically whatever they had to to try and do something productive. Nick Benino did, and it got him a penalty, but guess what? It also ran probably a second and a half, two seconds off that clock. And I know it's a small thing, and I know some people might say it's a BS move. I don't care at this point. What I care about is that that fourth line came, and they played hard, and they played well, and but they also played like a group that completely knew its role. And when you get to the playoffs, that's incredibly important. I don't want fourth line guys. I don't want Nick Bukestead trying to get up to the second line, and he's going to show you. I want these guys working as hard as they possibly can and working their asses off to be as productive as they can as fourth liners because that's where success can lie potentially. And I just go back to how many wild teams had fourth mm-hmm. line guys who were too good for the fourth line. They didn't. They sure. didn't think they belonged there. This group doesn't care. This group knows where it belongs, knows what its role is, and plays that role. And I give them a lot of credit because those Ducks games were ugly. They weren't particularly fun to watch. And the old school Wild, I think they lose at least one of those games. They didn't here. I don't care how they won. They got four points in the two games. I think when you're going to the point of guys knowing their role, because look, Bukestead opening night was the team's quote-unquote number one center. I mean, he he was the top-line center to start the year. And I've criticized him, you know, you bring him back for the right price, sure, I'm interested, but I I think you could do better than Nick Bukestead. Mm -hmm. But to your point, and to and he when he applies himself, he can be a very complimentary and good player. I really like Nico Sturm. I think Sturm and, and he's found a nice role on the fourth line, and it odds are that's probably where he will have an NHL career on. I think he's got some skills that that he, I would like to see him even play an above and a fourth line minutes and an above a penalty kill and a t- traditional fourth line role. I, I think he's got honestly some skill. Might be right. Um, but when you have guys like Benino and Bukestead, and you and you just say, hey. Yes, there was a time period, especially with Bukestead more than Benino. Buke said that what yeah you were a twenty five goal scorer in Florida when you came out in the league. You were a prolific college hockey player. You were one, you were the you were Minnesota Mister. You were Mister Hockey. You know, ten years ago. But you know, Nick, you're you're probably not that player anymore. And I think Nick honestly knows that too. That doesn't mean that Nick can't be an NHL player. It just means that Nick Bukestead is not a first a first line or top six dude anymore. And that's okay, by the way. It's okay to point out the fact that hey man, if 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 you want to make it and, and have a long lasting career, if you want to play in the NHL for a long time, this is where you're gonna this is where you're gonna be slotted in. And you, this has happened before. I mean, especially with guys in college hockey, this usually happens all the time in college hockey. Prolific guys who are really top line players, they come in the NHL and it just doesn't translate. It's a completely different game. We're even, we're watching the college hockey tournament right now as we're recording. The college hockey game is so different than the NHL game, and you'll find guys. Like Nick Buke said, who will carve out a fourth line. Nick Dowd at St. Cloud State. Obviously, I'm biased. I, t- I saw him play for the Huskies. He's a phenomenal fourth line guy for a really good Washington Capitals team. Why? Because he knows his role, and he's going to have a nice career for a long time. So if you can define those roles, and it makes things easier in the playoffs, because like you said, th- th- those fourth lines, they might only play 9 to 10 minutes in a, an NHL playoff game, but those are pivotal minutes. Those, those are pivotal minutes not for what they do on the ice, but to give the top players some rest. Though that that's an important role, it, it, you know. Hell yeah. Phil Mackey and our, you know another hockey guys who, who mock hockey might say like, "Oh, what does it really mean?" No, 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 no. That is a you. an integral part of the well, hockey, and they can provide a spark. Yes, like in the first Ducks game, that fourth line, the Wild was dead. Like both <laughs> of those games, and I know they're tired, and I know it's the Ducks, and they just got blown out by um, a combined eleven to one against the Abs. I understand all that. But that wild team looked lethargic and dead. And in the first Ducks game, guess what? That fourth line brought energy. 
Dean started them for every period because of that. But, I mean, that's the type of thing that I'm with you plays an instrumental role in in that not that game not going sideways and now it's a 3-2 weird loss, right? Right. right. That's yes. exactly it. And I think the one thing and since we're, you know we're not allowed access to the uh locker room, we don't know for sure, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think the one thing too which probably helps a guy like Bukestead, who I've always questioned cuz you know w- with the Gophers he was a potential star. But I always sort of questioned effort at times. Like, there, it seemed like there was more talent there than effort, and he could have dominated consistently, and he would turn it on and off. Um, but right now, my guess is in that room, if you're Nick Bukestead and you're at a pretty important crossroads of your career, and Dex, you look around, and there's Benino. Same type of thing, right? Fourth-line yeah. guy, not that talented, but he works his ass off. He can win face-offs. And he takes the fourth line role. It's like, yeah, I'll take that role, and I will yep. do whatever I have to to keep that role. Ian Cole, right? Third line defensive pairing guy, a veteran. He's won two cups. But Nino, same thing, same uh, Penguins teams. And you know, Cole is not a star, but what is he's a stabilizing influence on that entire team, and he plays a really important role. And the entire coaching staff loves these guys. I'm sure. If you're Bukestead. Don't you look at that and say, hold on a second here, to your point, Dex. I can carve my career out here. Like, if I do this, if I care, if I don't say, man, I sure wish I was still with Kaprizov, but you know what? I'm with Sturm, Benino, and I'm playing an important role. But I love the fact, and how many times on previous wild teams could we say this, that in a game against a bad team, when your team is lethargic and absolutely dead, the fourth line's like, hell yeah, let's go. Absolutely. Like that is, I, I can't tell you how important it is, the conversation about what you're saying when we're talking about mentality here. Mm-hmm. Like this is not about all talent. It's not. Pro sports is tough. I mean, they just played 10 games in 18 days, and I have no sympathy for them because everyone's doing it. Correct. Um, but we're talking about the difference in the mentality here. And, yes, the superstars are incredibly important, and they've got to, and that's awesome. And goaltending, like you said last year, you know, Dubnik and Stalock worked to give up weird goals. You, 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 I was watching last night's game, and I realized I'm scarred now. Because <laughs> I was literally like, well, when's the weird goal? Yeah. I, in, in fact, Talbot he allowed one. in the second game against the Ducks allowed one, yep. and I tweeted, there's the Dubnik goal. Right. You know, the weird goal, centering pass goes off the goaltender and in. I, so I'm so scarred, I have come to expect it. And when he makes 37 bleeping saves and gets a shutout, I'm like, whoa, what was that? But that's sort of what you should expect. Mm-hmm. That's why this franchise and that's why this team is so different. It's things on and off the ice. Absolutely. End of rant. Oh, or positive. Bravo. Positive Bravo. rant. I Bravo guess. rant. And, and look, positive rant. You know, I think Nick, in terms of knowing your role, you know, Nick Benino has been there and done that a little bit. He's also 32 years old. Nick Bukestad's only like 27. I mean, he's still a younger, younger guy. Um, we talked about like a few weeks ago, all these UFAs they brought in and, and even, and I'll add Ian Cole to that mix too, who was traded, acquired very early in the season. You know, which guys would you want to keep around? And, you know, I think Bill Guerin um, would like to keep around Nick Benino probably the most. I know Elliot Friedman of 31 thoughts and of, 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 of TSN and, or, or sports. I should say, uh, he said, I wouldn't be surprised if they can make the money work. They would actually extend Ian Cole. I like that. And for the right price, I'm all in there. I love him. Don't overpay for him necessarily. 
But if you can lock him up for three years at like two million per or something, like if, yeah. if especially if Ian Cole knows, like, hey, look, if you want to go test the market and get more on a one year deal, you know, by all means, go ahead and do it. But if you want, if you're happy here and, and you like with the way things are trending, and I love the way he he is very candid with his comments about the team and after games, particularly after losses, so valuable. I'm in. I'm in on that. Someone like Nick Bukestead, you know, who's 28, he'll be 29 in July. You know, I think I think maybe if you start understanding, and especially that's where that's where the Nick Benino influence also continues to pay dividends. Look, Benino on the ice, yeah, very much a replacement level player. He is. He's he's a penalty killer. He's a faceoff specialist. Those guys you can find, but what he brings to the room, what he brings to the chemistry, that's why Bill Guerin brought him in here because he he has this itch to him, and he has this culture that knew that had to be changed. And that's what Guerin said this summer. The culture had to be changed. And and I saw tweets yesterday, you know, Nino Nito had another brilliant game in Carolina. I think he's up to like 14 goals here. Dude's a stud. Nino Nito is a very good player. And guess what? The Wild are still just fine without him. Carolina's great with him. Oh, they're him. better off as a team without him. They are. They um, are. Yeah. Yes. He, is he fits a, in Carolina, which, which is awesome. He's good. a better player than Victor Rask. No one is arguing that. But. The Wild are just fine without Nino Niederreiter and vice versa. Nino Niederreiter is fine, just fine without the Wild as well. So those two Penguins Cup teams, to, to what you were saying before, those two Penguins Cup teams that Bill Guerin was an executive on had Ian Cole mm-hmm. and Nick Benino on them. And they know what all three of them know, and this is what I kept saying, all three of them know what it takes to win a cup. And it takes a lot. And it's intangibles, and, and yes, Malkin and Crosby help. I get that. Good goaltending helps a lot. I get that. But you can't have the pieces in place to win that cup until you've got the pieces in place in the room to start with. Case in point so far, Edmonton. If this was just pure talent, right. if, if this was just oh, a talent yeah. <laughs> a talent game, they I, give win every you, year. I give you Dreisaitl, I give you McDavid. Um, right. They've got deficiencies, but my God. They've got two of the superstars of superstars, and superstars are important, as I said, as we said at the outset. But this starts as a, as a, it's like making a cake, and it's a mix of things. And the Wild was basically missing all of the mixes previously. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Cam Talbot on this notion, too. Asked last night after the game, if he had expected Kapokakinen to start th- that game because Talbot had... So Kapo started the last Avs game and got blown out. But in fairness to Kapo, Cam had started the game before that and got blown out. Yeah, And then uh, Cam came back home and started the first Ducks game. He then started the second Ducks game. And so I think we all thought before the third day break that that must mean that Kapo, who has played very well for the most part, was going to start the third game, and he did not. Talbot did. And to his credit, and I don't, I don't know Cam at all, and like, again... It makes it more difficult to assess people because we aren't around them and it's all Zoom. But to his credit, Cam Talbot said, asked flat out, did you expect Koppel to start? He said, yes, I did. He said it seemed like a good time to start him. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. And I didn't get any hidden agenda behind that uh, comment, Declan. I didn't get any, oh, yeah, I was going to start, but I'll say this. Seemed like a straight shooter. Um, it's a small thing again, but I love it. Yeah, and you know who doesn't say that? Dubnik. Oh, that's that's, that's what I was point. trying to that's say. That's your point. Yeah. Is, is and I'll insinuate it. I'll just throw it out there. Dubnik doesn't say that. Yeah, you're right. Um, he might say, "Well, you know, I understand the decision why they would go L instead of me." But when your numbers cold, you got you know, he, it would be all that spiel. Yep. No, I think Cam Talbot absolutely gets it. And this is you know, I, I we've been flip flopping. Who's one A? Who's one B? 
It, three weeks ago, it was well, actually a month ago. I said it was Talbot. Two weeks later, I said it was Kakinen, and now it's probably back to Talbot as as one A and one B. Um, it's interesting to see who they want to go with. And right now, you're comfortable with either of those guys. Uh, Talbot being a lefty goalie, Kapo Kakinen being a young guy who's been playing very very well as a rookie. I think you can't really go wrong with either player. Um, and you'll most likely play a hot hand in the playoff series. You know, whoever loses a game, I bet Dino will go with the other guy. I wouldn't be surprised unless, you know, it was a weird circumstance. You know, I, I th- there's trust in goal with both goaltenders. It, it's very similar to when the Fernandez and Rollison years where you just you felt comfortable with either of them in net. You really did. Uh, so that it's important because it's important because you, you needed to also rotate these guys in. That's another big thing. None of the neither of the, these two are getting burnt out. Because basically both of them are that, playing almost at an even rate. Yes. Which is very key, too, in, yes. in this crazy run of, of a lot of games in a short amount of time. So this is good. This is a good thing for the Wild. Their goaltending is figured out. So playoff series right now, Talbot would start game one, right? Now? I think and so, And I think yes. it's just going to switch. Yep. But that's fine. But that's fine. But I loved, to your point, I loved the fact that Talbot didn't go Dubnik. And the most important thing is, you know as well as I do, that Dubnik, if he didn't play, would, would have gone to Boots or Yozy or whomever mm-hmm. and been like, hey, what's going on? I'm the top goaltender here. I don't think Talbot pulls that stuff. Uh, and that's incredibly important in the room. But, you know, besides a few rough games for the entire team, I just love the fact that a guy like Talbot is not flashy. He he made a save on Tarasenko last night. That was Right below us, so it was in the second period when it's the long shift change. It was right below us, and Tarasenko came out from the circle and geared a shot towards Talbot's glove side. Yeah, I remember this. Play. And he made a really simple save. Yeah, both you no and I. rebound, nice glove save. Yeah, both you and I saw it. Yeah, but you know what it was? It was an unbelievable save. It was a great save. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a Tarasenko shot. Like, that's a Kaprizov shot. That's not a, oh, I, I just don't know what I'm doing. He geared that shot right there. It was from an unusual or at least a, a semi-difficult angle. And Talbot made that save. And there was no histrionics behind it. There was no big scramble. There was no, oh, man, he got beat. It was a save, a whistle, face-off, done. I mean, I, that's that's what you want. Right. And and to our point earlier in the podcast, when when Tarasenko's engaged, I mean, yeah, he's he's damn good. He's he's been in the league now five six years. I mean, we know who he is. Uh, but there are times, and unfortunately, it, it there's this um, perception, and it, and it comes with Russian players that this happens with them that they get disengaged, that they don't they don't play hard all the time. Yeah, I have yet to see that from Kirill, which is great. I agree. Um, I'm, he, I'm with you so far. Kirill is also the kind of player, and and this is what and Fiala was like this a lot last year too. He's so talented. He's going to make an offensive zone turnover that might frustrate a, oh, a yeah. traditional hockey. He's like, ah, dang it. You know, Kirill, what are you doing? Yeah, you probably should have got it. Away times, yeah. But he's going to make a, a dumb player that'll cause an interception and cause an odd man rush the other way. Yep. But you take those lumps knowing that how damn good of a player he truly is. When someone else of his nature is trying, when Victor Rask makes that turnover, it's like, God bless it, Victor. Just throw the puck deep. You're not going to outwork him. Your skating is as good as me and Judd's, and we haven't been on skates in years. So that's that's where. Kirill, that's okay. I'm glad he doesn't get disengaged. I'm glad he is that talented. I'm curious what that next contract looks like, because I, I think you got. I don't think you do the two year bridge. I don't think Let's you do a short term. Let's talk about that next show because I, I, I yeah. feel like that deserves a long I agree. segment. And yeah, it, it's scary. As a Minnesota sports follower, it scares you. 
Uh, but I'm with you. And the reality is it will largely define Bill Guerin's entire tenure here, fair or not. Uh, last thing for this episode. Did you ever think that we would have a conversation that could go like this? Marcus Foligno and Zach Parisi, one's hurt, and then Parisi is on the COVID protocol list, are both out. Did you ever think that we would have a conversation about, I clearly think it's not even close, the Wild misses Foligno, and I don't think that they really miss Zach much. You, the, the Zach stands can say that they do, uh, but I think there's no question that Foligno's size, yep. and it's not skills probably going too far, but he does have some skills and can certainly score some goals. I feel like that is an element that when he's not playing, you definitely can see it missing. Um, Zach still works hard, but I don't know that I can tell you in these past two games he's missed that I think he makes a difference. He doesn't, man. I hate. To, uh, I mean, I don't mean to be mean here, but I just don't see it. What's so curious is is Lou Lamarillo was on the record, and look, Lou is weird with trades, man, and and, yeah, and leaking them he, and reporting them. Well, he doesn't leak them, right? He gets mad when they're leaked. But I, I believe it was it LeBron. It was someone very plugged in at the Athletic said that he's looking to add, and he has seven million in cap space. The, Anders Lee contract is off the cap for now because he's injury. done for the season. Yep. I think he tore an ACL, and so he's been put on LTIR. So his cap space is now available to to the Islanders, who are going to make a move for sure. Yeah. My only question is, do they really look at Zach as being the answer to their their problems? Because what they really need is some goal scoring help for sure. Um, I'm curious where that goes because it almost happened last year. Zach makes 7.5, so it's a little bit still it underneath. But you, you, make, working, dude. You, you make that happen. If it's if it's 500K, that's pennies on the dollar. You figure out a way to make that happen. But I'm curious. I'm really curious because, yes, to answer your point, I, I, I just don't think the Wild need him. I don't think they need him. I don't know that they can dump him, but I just don't think. I watch the, the Felino-less games, and I, like, see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. He provides a, He provides a hell of a spark. I watch him without Zach, and Zach still works hard, so I'm not saying that he's loafing out there because he's not. And I just don't see the ingredient missing. Um, but, yeah, I don't know that. So so your aisles are really good. Yeah. And My Lee's absence is a big deal. Yes, it is. That's a big loss. And they really need a top six guy to replace him. And a year ago, I think we could have forced the conversation that Zach might be that guy still. Zach might be that guy still. Lou's not a dumb dude. He's going to watch Zach, and I don't know that you see it. I don't know that you see it. And I know that, that there's a case to be made that Zach Parisi, as he's currently playing, could play on a lot of second lines in this league. I just don't see him being on the second line of a really good team. Right. And the last year did make sense. It totally made sense. He was still playing very well. They didn't have any yeah, core injuries, right. I believe, to my knowledge, around when that trade almost happened 13 months ago. Yeah, I mean, it's still a little far-fetched. They could, they could do better, basically. They could do better than trying to acquire Zach Parisi and making the you know that long-term contract work, but... Yeah, I'm curious where it goes because I I just don't think they need him. I really don't, man. Kirill Kaprizov's contract, we are going to get to that next episode because it's going to take some time. I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be in very short order in this town, and they should be, given our past history, nervous about what the young superstar is going to do. But for now, Judd's Hockey Show, we're done. Pass, shoot, score. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect. 
filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers, whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.